How you feeling? So I guess you're feeling good. That's what's up. Are you guys enjoying our hangout time before service? We're going to be doing that for a little while. We're testing it out. I call it testing because we're going to keep doing it. But we're just trying to get y'all used to it. So the goal is to actually be connected, be a community, actually be friends. So we want to open up that time right before we come in and worship to actually connect with each other so that we shift from this mindset of just consumption. How many of you guys are familiar with consumption? We do it all day. How many of you guys have consumed something today? Yeah, you guys have consumed a lot of stuff today. Food, you might have consumed pictures on Instagram, advertisements, commercials, maybe listen to sermons, maybe listen to music, all this stuff. But we get so used to consuming because we have so many things available to us to consume that sometimes we forget to connect. And so the goal of this time before service is for you to actually connect with people and not just come in and consume. Because we need to consume, we need the word, but we also need each other. And how many of you guys were here for our series called Community? It was a fun series. It was at the end of the year where we were just trying to kind of ramp things up and move into the new year as one. And that's really our theme for Fusion. As a staff, when we were praying and discussing what we wanted to do for this next year and what we wanted our focus to be, oneness is number one on our list of our goals, is we just want to be one. We want to be connected. Jesus said that when we're one as his disciples, then the world will actually believe that the Father sent him. So it's not necessarily when we go out and, you know, miracles happen and signs and wonders and all this stuff. But really, the biggest miracle, the biggest wonder is for a big group of people to actually love each other. That is a miracle. And we need Jesus to do it, but he said that we can do it. So this is how we're being intentional about it. And we have an acronym that we've been using in this time amongst our staff. And I've been wanting to share it with you guys so that you're able to not only know what we're doing here as a staff and for Fusion, but also each and every one of you would just pick up the heart and pick up the culture of what we're trying to do. And so the acronym is actually FIRE, Friendly, Intentional, Relational, and Energetic. And that's what we're trying to bring here. Are you guys ready for that? Are you guys down for that for real? Okay. So the word is called FIRE, and we have a series that we're in that we started last week called Firestarter. Did you guys enjoy last week, if you were here? We were talking about how God wants to start a fire in your life and how that happens. So some of you guys might be wondering, what is God starting a fire in your life? What is that about? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you wondered. God's starting a fire in your life. We talked about there being three steps to it. One, you need to encounter God. You need to engage with God and you need to believe God in order for him to start a fire in your life. And all that means is him sending his presence and Sometimes even saying those words can feel like it's this like foreign thing and it's not actually him. We're talking about him coming and dwelling with you. And he, con he compared himself to fire. He said, our God is a consuming fire. He said, the Lord your God is a consuming fire. And we explored how that actually works in our lives up to the point of even being baptized by the Holy Spirit 
where we are baptized by water uh, for the repentance of our sins. And then Jesus said that he would baptize us with his Holy Spirit. The word baptize simply means to sink, to dip, and to submerge. And so he would sink, he would dip us and submerge us in himself. And that's what we're talking about here. How do we have such a crazy, awesome relationship with God that we are just immersed in him? Is anybody wondering how that can happen for you? I'm glad you asked. Believing in Jesus. You probably consumed a bunch of things today that sent all types of messages to you, but the number one most important thing that you can come to in your entire existence is a knowledge of the truth. Jesus said that he is the truth. He's the way, the way. So that means there's only one way, not many ways. There's one way, the way, the way where, the way to God. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And he's the most important person you can come to know in your life. And he wants to have such a radical, crazy relationship with you that you are consumed in him if you believe in him and you trust him. The next thing that we talked about was staying on fire. Because how many of you guys know that God can start a fire, but it's not always easy to stay on fire? And you guys had such a crazy response to that last week when we were talking about the enemy trying to blow out your fire. You guys had such a crazy response to that last week. As I was praying, God just like highlighted that to me for that to be the focus of tonight. I wanted to dive back into that because that really is the most important thing for us. I mean, we can meet Jesus, we can receive his spirit, and we can start a relationship with him, but it's not about starting. It's not about how you start. It's about how you Exactly. So I'm going to pray tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here in your presence. Lord, I just pray that I would decrease and you would completely increase. Lord, speak your word to your children. You know what we need. So, Lord, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So as I was exploring what it takes to actually stay on fire for God, I was looking at well, I was really just praying. I wasn't really looking at anything. I was praying, God, what is the most important thing that we need to know? What is the number one adversary that we face when it comes to staying on fire for you? And I came up with one thing, and it starts in the book of James. James 1, verse 12, says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation." So of all the things that I was looking at that can extinguish the fire of God in your life, temptation was the number one thing that I felt like God wanted me to talk about tonight. Do you guys know what temptation is? I'm glad you do. Oh, yeah, y'all know. Say, <laughs> so, mm-hmm, I feel you. I'm going to continue this so you know there's hope. Afterward... They will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. 
These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So the first thing I want you guys to write down tonight is this. Temptation comes from our own desires. So that, mm mm-hmm, that was shouted out is because somebody knows what it's like to have desires. The book of 1 John actually explains the three forms of temptation that we have, and they're all desires. But before we get to that, as I was exploring this, I was seeing different definitions of temptation and all this stuff, and we're seeing that temptation is a result of our own desires. It comes from our own desires. It's birthed from our own desires. But what is the problem with it? What's the problem with our desires? Well, Strong's Concordance defines temptation, the Greek, work, the Greek word used there, as specifically the trial of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and constancy. So if it's saying that temptation does not come from God, but it comes from our own desires, and it's a testing of our fidelity, integrity, virtue, and constancy, what this means is our desires lead us to not act with these things. Our desires are in opposition to these things, but God's word leads us to act with fidelity and virtue and constancy. So really, in short, temptation is simply an opportunity to disobey God. Every testing, every trial that you face in your life is an opportunity to disobey God. So what do you do with the opportunity? Are you entertaining these opportunities? Are you giving these opportunities room to set up shop in your life? Because last week we talked about how you have to ruthlessly protect your soul because the enemy is coming to steal, to kill, and destroy, and a lot of times it's in the things that you consume. Are you ruthlessly protecting against that? Because every natural desire you have is just to please yourself. Your desires naturally are not to please God. It's to please yourself. So with your opportunities, I want you to be marinating on this tonight. As God's speaking to you, I believe that he wants to speak some things to everybody tonight about what's going on in your life. Everybody has different areas, and we're going to talk about a few different areas tonight. But what is God bringing up in your mind right now? Because when I said, are you entertaining opportunities, some things probably popped up. I want you to let him speak to you about that tonight. There are three forms of temptation And the letter of 1 John sums them up in the three forms that Jesus was tempted by. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So the temptations that you face, the opportunities to disobey God, come in three forms. The first one is the lust of the flesh. And lust is a fancy, churchy word for desire. 
the desire of your flesh, the desire to please your body. A lot of times in our culture, it comes out in sex. You see it everywhere. Food. Mm-hmm. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Drugs. Getting a high. I'm just letting that marinate for a second. Because there were some pictures coming up in some people's minds. The next one, the lust or desire of the eyes. Now, this is one that's really dangerous for our generation because we see so much every day. We're seeing tons of things. In comparison to people before we had smartphones, I know we're tired of hearing this thing about the smartphone. Is anybody tired of hearing that smartphones are a bad thing? It's annoying because we're on it all day and everybody's telling us how bad it is and then they make a new one and sell us that one. And so it's this constant tug of like, these things are terrible for you. They're destroying your life. New one comes out in September. It's got a 40 megapixel camera. It's about to be fire. But on these things, you get to consume so much information, so many images, so many messages. It's coming at you nonstop, all day. And the desire of the eyes, is just, it just means a desire for the things you see. Now, that resonates with a lot of us, especially. I'd be bringing up Instagram all the time because 99% of you guys are on Instagram, including myself. I'm fasting right now. And since I've started this position, I've been on it a lot less. But I'm very familiar with the Instagram. <laughs> I've explored a lot of it. And I relate 100% to the constant that tries to happen as you scroll because you're consuming so much information. You might be looking at another person's life. And, I mean, it could be so much stuff. It might just be somebody looks happy when you're sad. It might be a picture that, that brings up some desires of the flesh. Everybody got quiet on that one, like, no, I don't know. I, don't, mm -mm. I haven't seen those. <laughs> but it could be, I mean, all types of stuff. People use Instagram to really, for the most part, I'm not going to put a blanket over everybody, but the general use of Instagram in the entire world is just for people to show the amazing things in their lives, and for them to show the good things they're doing, the good things that they have. And so this desire of the eyes comes up a lot when we're looking on social media. Instagram, Facebook, we're constantly seeing people's lives, and we now are exposed to new things that we didn't even want before. I didn't even know that this model of this phone was out, or I didn't even know that this car was out, but this person has it. You scrolling through, what kind of job do they have? <laughs> oh, y'all know. It's real, though. And so then we start comparing ourselves and being like, 
well, they don't look like they, you know, do much better than me. Why does my life look like this? Why don't I have that? Oh, man, they just probably went into crazy debt. You know what I'm saying? I'm over here saving, you know. They probably put that trip on a credit card, getting in all types of crazy debt. You know, they probably got a super high interest rate, you know, all that stuff. But I'm over here. I don't, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know what happens when you start seeing stuff. And you'd be like, she probably used one of them apps that, that changes the shape of your body. She don't look like that for real. <laughs> Donut. <laughs> but it's dangerous. It's dangerous because it, it, can, it can change the trajectory of your life if you start letting that stuff get in for real. If you start seeing stuff and letting it lead you to start pursuing it, it's dangerous. And that's why the Bible calls it a lust. It's a dangerous thing, and it's a temptation. It's an opportunity to disobey God to get what you saw. The third thing, third form of temptation is the pride of life. I never used to understand this one. Like, what does that mean, the pride of life? I'm just proud to be alive? Like, what does that mean? Well, it actually means boastfulness and arrogance. I will say it again then. <laughs> boastfulness and arrogance. I said that a little boastfully. Plan. But it's the opportunity to boast in and be praised for what and who you are. Which is what the American dream is based on. It's for you to reach your fullest potential and then be recognized by others for who and what you are, for all of the abilities that you have, for all of the talents you have, for all the skills you have, you can be recognized for these things. The enemy took Jesus up to the highest height and said, take a look at all this stuff. All of these kingdoms have been given to me, which was a temporary truth. They had been given to the enemy temporarily. He said, if you'll just bow down and worship me. He's talking to Jesus. How many of y'all know he's not that smart? He'd just be trying everybody. He don't really even be having the greatest plan all the time. He's just going to try. That's something to be aware of. He will try. He just won't stop. He is persistent, I will say. You're trying the son of God, saying that you're going to give him stuff. All right, so he's saying <laughs> all of these kingdoms belong to me. And I'll give them to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And it was the temptation for Jesus to experience his glory before God brought it. That was the temptation. So, you know, all he, he, he's like, yo, I'll be seeing you in Jerusalem. They don't really respect you like that. <laughs> they be trying you. They don't know what you could do for real. If you just came back through and you just owned all the kingdoms, it would be different. So for you, he might be saying, hey, man, I'll be seeing how, how these girls don't really be looking at you. You know, maybe if you just blew a little money, 
bought some nicer things, you might catch their attention. Or young lady. You see this girl over here? You, yeah, yeah. I know you saw her because you were on her page and you went down to like February of 2014. You saw her whole life. Don't act like you ain't see it. Okay, okay. You seen her. Remember her. You see how all the guys be liking her pictures. And then when you post, you be getting like 24 at the most. On the best day. Funny, but it's real. And she be getting like 1,600 in like five minutes. Maybe if you dropped the shirt down a little bit and just acted like it was, like you ain't even noticed. Maybe if you took, oh, I know what you could do. It could be a little more slick because you go to church. Go to the gym. Go to the gym. And show the progress of your health journey. Inspire them to eat right. Do them a favor. Serve the people. You'll get some more likes. People will respect you. They'll like you a little bit more. He presents an opportunity, an opportunity to disobey God. Simple as that. Now tonight, about this temptation, I want to talk about two environments that temptation loves. I'm just listening to everybody go, mm, mm, mm. But there are two environments that temptation will fester in and just grow and get nasty, bad if you just leave it there. The first one is ungodly relationships. <laughs> ungodly relationships. And some people are like, we've heard this. We know. I got to tell them again, right? See? I know you heard it, but you're still texting so-and-so. I'm, talk I'm, talking to I'm talking to 2014 Vance. I'm not talking to y'all, okay? So if that makes you feel better, I'm talking to, to old me, all right? I know you know it. I know you know it. But are you listening? Ungodly relationships. I, I will bring this quote up probably a lot for the rest of our tenure here at Fusion because it's a quote that changed my life. When Pastor Dennis came in in about 2013, came in and preached at Fusion, and he said this quote right here. The biggest distraction from your godly purpose is ungodly relationships. The biggest distraction. I don't know if y'all, like, I know it sounds good, 
but do you believe it? Because you're playing with your life if you don't. You are playing with your life, playing with your purpose, playing with your destiny, playing with the entire direction and trajectory of your life, your eternal destination, other people's eternal destination. That's what a lot of y'all not thinking about. That's what I wasn't thinking about. Now I'm a pastor and I'd be like, if so-and-so sees that I'm a pastor now, I hope so-and-so goes and looks at a message and sees that I have changed. Because if she views Christianity through the lens of who I was, that could mess her up. I'm for real. There was a time I had Jesus, first thing in my bio. On the Instagram, first thing you see. And when I put it up, I meant it. God started a fire in my life. I'm on fire out here. I'm just trying to preach the gospel. I'm just trying to bring somebody a word. But then a few months pass, fire starts dwindling, going out, get distracted, start seeing some things that I like, start seeing some people I might like, fire starts dwindling, and then it feels awkward to delete Jesus out the bio. It feels wrong. I can't, Jesus, I can't take your name out of here. But I'm not representing you all that well right now. So I find myself in this dilemma because the desire I'm experiencing is pulling me this direction even though you were pulling me this direction. So what happened? I didn't take it seriously. I played around. And then I'm now here telling you what I first told you that, wow, I hope this person doesn't, isn't too poorly affected by it. So how often are you thinking about that with your interactions with people? Because it's not just in relationships, it's not just in dating or romantic relationships, it's in friendships as well. The people you're surrounding yourself with, they determine a lot of things about your life, and you will determine a lot of things about their lives. For me, when I've wanted to get serious about God, and not just about God, this is a truth that's just true all across the board with anything you want to get, anything you want to achieve, you have to surround yourself with people who are going the same direction. But do you do it? Are you intentional? Because this is life or death. I started this message out by saying this is the most important thing that you could be focused on. And it's not just finding it, it's keeping it. And so are you ruthlessly protecting your soul through who you choose to entertain? 
in friendships or in romantic relationships. Because it's an environment. It's an environment that temptation will fester in. Your flesh does not want to obey God. So when you submit to it, you won't want to obey him either. Why is that relevant? I want you to leave that quote up there. Why is that relevant? Because when you are around people who are feeding their flesh, and that is their priority, your flesh is going to get fed. It's temptation. You're around people who are constantly bringing opportunities, then you won't want to do the right thing. It's, I don't know how to say it any simpler than that. When you're around people doing the thing that's not right, because the thing that's not right is easier to do when it comes to God, that's normally always the case. As we talked about before, God wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to be victorious. But in order to be victorious or to overcome something, we got to have something to overcome. And so he's always going to call us to a higher standard and a standard that we need him to achieve. So when you're around people who don't know him, they're just going to do everything that they can do in their own power. And so that's going to be their focus. And so success in their eyes is going to be very different than success through the eyes of a believer. Because success to a person who doesn't know God is all about what I can accomplish on my own and in my own strength. Success to a believer is, am I pleasing Jesus? Because at the end of your life, you will have to give an account to Jesus. It won't be your homeboy. It won't be the girl that was on Instagram. It won't be the guy that was on Instagram. They're going to have to give their own account. You will have to give an account for what you did with your life here. Do not play with it. Thank you. Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. That's a high standard. Your father and mother, wife and children, Brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Does it get any plainer? Jesus said things very, very simply. He wasn't playing around. He came for a temporary period of time to give us an eternal perspective, and he said things simple and clear. If you want to be my disciple, you must. Now, how many of us would just glance over that like, okay, this is just a passage from the Bible. This is an eternal truth that you have to apply in your life. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you must hate everyone else by comparison. He's not saying to hate people. We know this is the same Jesus who said, love your neighbor as yourself. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying to hate people. The, this is just a translation from Greek to English, and it says hate by comparison because it's a strong dislike in comparison to your love for God. So your love that you experience for your mother, for your father, for your children, for your brother, for your sister, should feel like hate in comparison to your love for God. 
If I were to ask you how much you love God, is that how you would describe it? That's not how I would have described it for a long period in my life. Though I believed in Jesus. I thought he was God. But did I love him enough to prioritize him above all these other temptations in my life? No. And when I look back at that time in my life, that's why... I'm great, grateful for the grace of God that sustained me through that period because I didn't have to make it to now. He said tomorrow's not promised. So the period of your life that you're in right now is all you are promised right now. This moment could change at any time. So are you taking an eternal perspective and focusing on keeping what he's given you if you're walking with him. I didn't even announce the title of tonight's message. It's because I'd be so hyped about the content. I'd just be wanting to give it to y'all. But it's about staying on fire. The title of tonight's message is hashtag stay lit. So y'all can use it. But that's what we're talking about, staying on fire and Ungodly relationships, like I said, romantic or friendships, is an environment where temptation, opportunities to disobey God will fester in. And you have to ruthlessly protect yourself against it. So then who do you hang out with? Well, 7 p.m. on Tuesday nights, we got this little thing going on called Fusion. It starts out there in the cafe, and I mean, as, as time goes on, we're going to implement some more initiatives in there, make it even more fun, even more interactive. We want to have a little bit more snacks, but right now we're on the fast, you know. But we want to have time to connect and commune. Why? Not just because it's a cute little fun idea, but because Jesus, the person we're gathering here saying that we love, said that we have to love each other and be one and be connected. And if ungodly relationships bring nothing but temptation and we need godly relationships, where do we find them? Around godly people. People who are pursuing the heart of Jesus. That's what you need in your life. You need somebody who's going to be able to call out you got to give somebody access to be able to call out when you're going down the wrong track. Because if the enemy just keeps you in isolation, you are in the perfect condition for him. I don't know if y'all know, for real, for real. Like, maybe some of y'all are new. Maybe some of you guys have heard this a lot throughout your life. But I just, I want to know if you actually believe it. Do you guys know that there is... A devil. Now, I want to let that question sink in because a lot of us don't actually live like there is. We don't. We blame everything on everything else. And there's a small group of people who blame everything on him, which is <laughs> not true either. 
But throughout your life, if there's an enemy who's out here to attack your soul, does not want you to have a relationship with God, and the Bible says that his time, he knows his time is short, do y'all think he's chilling? Do you think when you're out here coming to fusion, wanting to get on the right track, starting a new year, new year, new you, fresh start, getting a little bit more healthy, you know, implementing some new habits in your life, and trying to get closer to Jesus one step at a time, do you think he's like, hmm, I respect that. No. He's out here trying to steal, to kill, and destroy. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, if you heard about a a person whose mission in life was to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What would you think of that person? Crazy. If you heard that person was coming around, you would probably clink, clink on the crib. Not letting you in. Not getting in here. I got a family. I got a purpose. I got a life to live. If you're out here trying to steal, kill, and destroy, I don't have time for you. Oh, if it was a man, though. Because the enemy is out here trying to steal, trying to kill, and what? Destroy. But a lot of us, we just leave, leave, leave the front door open. Chilling. Great world out here. Jesus said this is his mission. And yet we don't, we don't say that. We don't say, I got a family in here. I don't have no time for the enemy. I have a purpose to live out. I got no time for the enemy. I want to live a long life. I don't have time for the enemy. This is the posture we have to have if we actually want to achieve the things that God wants us to achieve. He says all throughout scripture what the reality that we're living in is. It's a war. A war. Society is just telling you it's a dream. Yo, yo, just make what you want out of your life. The law of attraction. Just think about it. Think about it. Positive. Be positive, bro. Oh, bad stuff is happening to you? That's because you're thinking negative. Yeah, you're thinking about bad stuff. Stop doing that. Think about better things. And better things will come. Jesus said, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Wait, we, we wrestling out here? Hold on. I, I wasn't even wrestling. I was out here chilling. 
scrolling. I, I wasn't even wrestling. And you already hear, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. He's telling you that there is a spiritual battle going on. And what they're battling for is you. You. We don't have time to be chilling. And that doesn't mean we can't be having fun, but we have to be ruthlessly protecting ourselves and enjoying ourselves, enjoying the love of God, enjoying the, the fellowship and family that we have with one another, but protecting ourselves and protecting the people around us because it's not a game. Temptation, the opportunity to disobey God, if it leads to you actually disobeying God, will then lead to a life separated from God if that gives, if you give that space to fully give birth. That's what James said. He said, desire when conceived gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. The reason that I use the term fester for these environments is because festering is growing. These are environments that sin grows in. Temptation grows in, and then it becomes sin. Sin grows in it, and then it leads to death. So some of you guys might be saying, I feel you, bro. But we actually pretty solid out here. Um, I got a good family. Love them. We be praying. I'm married, so I don't really deal with the ungodly romantic relationships. We got a godly, we got a godly marriage. Um, my friends are godly. My friends are Christians. Like, we good. Okay. I applaud that. I love that. I respect that. That's what I'm asking you to do. So if that's what you're doing, I respect it. But there's another environment that I don't think any of us are immune to because it's just something that comes with the walk that you take with Jesus. And it's called restlessness. Restlessness. God does not often move at the pace that we want him to move. God is good. How many of y'all know God is good? Amen. God, we love you. God really is good, and he will speak to you. He will make promises to you. He will give you a hope and a future. But he won't always give you a timeline. And uh, <laughs> and the way that we work, we want it right now. You knew it. You want it right now. Whatever you're wanting, you want it right now. You don't want it in the future. When do you want it? Right now, I know. Y'all responded, right now. Y'all know it. It's natural. God gives us a promise, tells us he's going to bring us something, and we like, bet. Mm. Tomorrow's about to be fire. About to go quit my job. What time I got to be there? Okay. Let me write up this 
my two-week notice because God gave me a promise. I'm speaking to 2014 Vance, not to y'all. I know y'all don't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to me because God would give me a vision, and it's like, oh, leading. Bet. Quit my job. I work for somebody. <laughs> not supposed to be working for nobody then because I'm supposed to be a leader. Years pass by, I'm like, hmm, not leading nobody yet. Uh, still working for somebody. And if we let the delay lead to restlessness, it's a dangerous environment. Because restlessness then gives birth, if unchecked, unchecked restlessness will lead to apathy where you just kind of stop caring. You don't really, you're not really concerned as much anymore. And you just, all right, our favorite, our favorite term, it is what it is. <laughs> People asking you about it, yeah, bro, I'm just, you know, it is what it is. You still single? I mean, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, bro, when, I know you do music. I know you love, yo, when you going to drop? It is what it is, bro. Not even on that right now. <laughs> I actually brought this little prop out here because this, this reminds me of a season in my life not too long ago where there was a delay and plenty of opportunity for restlessness. This was, I don't know, what's, what's this month? Um, not long ago at all, 2018. For the better half of the first, yeah, yeah, the first half of 2018, I was still doing this. So when I left my last corporate job, God told me, I was in Fusion, in the back, over there. This is 2015. I left my job. That's why I was dead serious, like, quit my job, all right? Quit my job. I really did feel like God was leading me to do that. I was living in Birmingham. I moved back here to Atlanta. I was like, all right, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And I had been getting trained as a personal, I mean, certified as a personal trainer just on the side, just for fun. Um, and then he was like, yeah, do personal training. And I'm like, okay. You know, because I feel, I've always been very entrepreneurial. So the idea, I told y'all, the idea of not working for anybody, oh, I love it. Oh, do me? Oh, okay, I love that. So I started, didn't want to work for anybody. I'm going to just do my own thing. That didn't last super long. I learned that it, it, that it just wasn't, it wasn't as consistent 
as I wanted it to be, right? So then I get a job at a gym, which I, which I didn't want to do at all. It was, I mean, this was a humbling experience where I go from an opportunity where I was making good money with a ton of prospects. It was really a, uh, really a tempting opportunity where I would have been really set for life. I've explained that before. I'll explain it more in the future. But I left that, and then I'm like, all right, well, I'll leave that, but I'm not about to go work for anybody because that's just not what I'm trying to do. And then finally just get broken down to the point where I got to work for somebody. And I'm working for somebody who I respected as a business person, but I didn't think they were the best leader, didn't think they did the best job at leading our team. Um, And then... It's three years, and not only was I doing training, but just due to what God was leading me to do, he would give me these different things to do, like studying leadership, uh, studying branding and and marketing, and so I'd be studying, I'd have my headphones in, and uh, for just because personal training, it would get slow sometimes, I'd pick up some part-time hours around the gym, and I'd be mopping. And this is, this is Vance who, this is Vance who was doing it a few years ago, doing pretty well. Never would have thought I'd be comfortable in the middle of suburban Atlanta with a bunch of people my age coming in from their corporate jobs and doing all this stuff. And I'm, hey man, doing what I got to do, bro. It is what it is. But what I learned with this, I'll be mopping the floor, I'll be cleaning toilets, and I just learned to do it, like, joyfully. I'd be like, yo, y'all be clean. They were some savages. I was like, yo, y'all clean the toilets without gloves? I'm going to go buy some gloves. I'm going to come back. I'm going to clean the toilets. We good. I don't know why I threw that in there, but that was just weird to me. So, <laughs> mopping the floors. <clears throat> cleaning the toilets, but every now and then, I'd be like, God, what is going on? I have all this information. I was constantly studying the word. I'm like, God, these are sermons. These, this isn't just a devotional. This is a sermon. And I had one yesterday and the day before and the day before that and the day before that. A bunch of them. What are you doing? I want to, I'm going to just drop this on the floor right here. All right, there we go. I want to look at a scripture um, in Judges 13 where God brings something to somebody who had been experiencing a delay. Judges 13.1 says, again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant. Only way you find out you're unable is if you've been trying for a while. And it hasn't happened yet. And they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. 
So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So, I was studying for this message, and I, I, I was thinking of just different people who fell to temptation and, and all this stuff. And it led me to studying a couple different people. And I went to study about Samson. How many of you guys know about Samson? Right. We, we know about Samson and Delilah. We know he was tripping. However, I was like, God, there's got to be more in here. And so I, I go and study it, and this is what I come to. This is about the birth of Samson. And I ask a lot of why questions when I'm studying the Bible. Like, Manoah's wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. There's a lot of times in the Bible where God shows up to women who can't have children and gives them children. And it's usually a child he wants to use powerfully. So as I was seeking him about this, I felt he gave this to me. Delay produces desire. Desire produces a sense of value. And when you value it enough, then God can trust you to consecrate it in the way he wants you to. Some of you guys don't know what consecration means. It means you've set it apart to give it to God. The not, he said that her son would be a Nazarite, and he, lived a, he lived, would live a strict life where he couldn't do certain things because he was dedicated to God. And so when God wanted to give birth to something powerful, he didn't give it to somebody who got, you know, married when they was 20 and been married for, you know, the past 10 years and got five kids and been chilling. No, he brought it to somebody who had been experiencing a delay that had produced a deep desire in them because what he was giving them was something that they needed to be responsible with, something that he wanted to use, something that wasn't ultimately for them. It was for him, and it needed to be dedicated to him. And so I would present to you that maybe the delay you're experiencing in your area of purpose, the delay you might be experiencing in the area of finances, the delay you might be experiencing in the area of relationships, could be because God has been wanting to produce a desire in you that will allow him to use you powerfully and will inspire you to listen to him and do what he tells you to do with what he brings you. Band, you guys can come out. It's simple. I didn't give him a cue for tonight because it's simple. This has been a, a simple message. <laughs> yeah, y'all do y'all thing, man. This has been a simple message. The most important thing we can do is find Jesus. Jesus wants to start a fire in our lives, but it is up to us to stay lit. 
there are several environments, we didn't touch on all of them tonight, where the opportunity to put that fire out is going to be very strong and prevalent. But you have an opportunity every day, and you have an opportunity tonight to choose to follow Jesus to the end, forever, no matter what happens, no matter what environment you go to, no matter what person you come in contact with, no matter what happens in your life, you can choose to follow Jesus, receive the fire that he wants to send on your life, and keep it lit. Tonight, I want everybody to stand up to your feet. And we're just going to take some time to glorify God, praise him for who he is, thank him for starting a fire in our lives, or ask him to start a fire in our lives. And we're just going to worship him. Y'all down for that?